right here. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. What is going on, everybody? It's the Rookie on the Rise with yet another guest. And this time, we are pulling from the famous Fantasy Affair family. Young guy named Garrett coming out from New York. He is a Giants fan, so give don't give him too hard of a time. And he's studying to become a lawyer. Garrett, how are you doing today, my man? So happy to have you on. I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk some rookie prospects with you, as always. All right. And just to warm you up, we are going to jump into our question of the show. If you were an ice cream flavor, what would you be and why? This is an interesting question, man. I got to go with my favorite flavor, just mint chocolate chip. A little bit refreshing, a little bit rich. Just my go-to. I like it. All right. So you kind of like a little sweet, a little chocolatey, get a little extra sugar rush. Okay. Yeah, a little balance, just like I like to build my dynasty teams, if you mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. And I think we'll be able to hear that on the, the dynasty locker room, right? Yes, sir. Cool. With Eric so, himself. Yeah, Mr. Berkey's beautiful side project. So when we're talking about a rookie process in terms of how you evaluate your rookies, how you treat them in Dynasty, let us know, how do you approach rookies? What are, your, what are you looking to do when you're kind of finding your rookies overall? What's your process? Yeah, man. So we've seen a lot of people break out into different factions when it comes to analytics and film. And I myself like to use both of them. First, I check out the analytics. I like to look at breakout age, dominator rating, height, weight, all that good stuff. Before I watch the film on the players, I like to give myself some perspective, know what kind of lens I'm watching them through, what kind of things to look for. And I go from there and I kind of put together some rankings and put together some sleepers. And that's about my process right there. I like it. So you're basically taking a holistic approach to everything and you like to weigh a bunch of different things. What are some things, what are some things you kind of real, or what are some things that jump off at you when you're looking at a player that you like to see? Well, if we're talking about wide receiver or even running back for that matter, I love running backs that can catch a ball. And then I just, one thing that I definitely prioritize when we're talking about wide receivers and tight ends is yak ability. I just love, I love to see when someone's catching the ball, they're not just falling down. And they're making things happen after the catch. So those are a couple of things that I love to uh, definitely look for when I'm evaluating these rookies. I feel like we have a pretty similar identification process looking for our rookies. This is going to be fun. So let's put this to the test. Let's talk about the Oklahoma State wide receiver, Tylen Wallace. Came in at 5'11", 193 pounds at the senior bowl, tore it up. He's going to be age 22 on the age of draft. He had a 47.1% college dominator rating. He had a 29.3% college target share. He had a breakout age of 19.3, and he was in the average 16.3 yards per reception in college. So, Garrett, when you were seeing Tylen Wallace, when you're looking at the film, when you're looking at the metrics, what jumps out to you? What are you? What gets you feeling like a hot, like hot butter on a on a skillet? Man, I love Tylen Wallace, and I feel like he's definitely one of the receivers that is being overlooked just because of the strength of the draft class this year. There's so much talent. But the guy, one thing that I I really do look for is the sophomore breakout. And when you look at Tylen Wallace, the dude had 14 
1491 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. He was absolutely dynamic. And that torn ACL his junior season was very unfortunate. But I like to see how he, he definitely came back strong from it. And he had some solid seasons the last couple seasons. I do think he is very underrated. I love to, I love his ability to go up at the catch point. He's very good at contested catches. He has some sneaky yak ability. He makes things happen. And I don't think he gets enough credit for it. He doesn't have blazing speed, but he just, he's a great football player, man. I think he's going to be a successful wide receiver two type at the next level. Okay, so you aren't projecting him necessarily to take that wide receiver alpha, wide receiver one alpha role then? Um, no, I think it. I think it's a, in the range of possibilities that he is the top target on his team, but I don't think it's necessarily very very likely. I think he's going to be a wide receiver two type in fantasy, maybe the top option on his NFL team, but it just kind of depends where he lands, what kind of draft capital he gets, all that. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we're looking at his metrics, he's got all upper 70 percentiles in the major metrics there. His yards per team pass attempt, I believe, was exceptionally high when we adjusted it to the games that he actually played. He had a high of three yards per team, 3.03 yards per team pass attempt, and he had a career average of 2.49 yards per team pass attempt. So when we're talking about efficiency-wise, Tylen Wallace is absolutely meeting that metric, which is if you're above 1.8, you're doing well. He's beating, he's meeting that metric of, of actualizing what he can with his work. So he doesn't, he's not going to need a large percentage of targets to make things work, uh, similar to maybe a Amron St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown of the class. And you mentioned his, his, you, you mentioned his ACL tear. He, in his junior season, had nine games. He had 903 yards. So he was just about to have another 1,000-yard season prior to his ACL tear. He was going to play at least another four games, so him getting 100 yards in four games is super likely. And he also was looking at a a college career catch rate about 60%. His didn't have any special team yards, which was a little disappointing, but, I mean, it's not something to issue. When you see Talon Wallace, Garrett, what are some things that perhaps raise a caution flag in the wind? What are some things that make you a little nervous about him? Well, when we're talking about Talon Wallace, he's not a guy who has exceptional size. He's only 5'11", 193. It doesn't jump off the page at you, but he did. It's worth noting that he did have um, the longest arms at the Senior Bowl. So that kind of accounts for some of the lack of size that he has. He can still go up and pluck those balls. He can go up and over the cornerbacks at the catch point. But he doesn't have great speed either. He's not... And it worries me a little bit at the, the transition from the college to the NFL level. They're just such better athletes at the next level. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do as much after the catch. So those are a couple of things that I'm a little, a little bit concerned about. I don't necessarily think that he is an elite athletic profile and he's not a burner, but he does have the tools that I think will translate at the technical level and the ability to go up and get the ball. He has great. Yeah, I mean, he, He's probably one of the best high point catchers in this class, especially for his size. He's he may not be the most refined route runner, but he can create separation on just about most of his routes. He was used in in the, he was used outside on the X and the Z and a little in the slot. You know, Talon Wallace is he, he's a really fun player, and I think what you hit on with his size is super important. Uh, when we're talking about fantasy football success in size specific correlation, more often than not the 
guys that come in 5'11 and smaller are a really low hit rate at getting a top 24 wide receiver season at more than once. Yeah. So what we need to see from Tylen Wallace of the year of the Tylen Wallace's, the Elijah Moore's, the people sub six is we need to see them run a bit faster because they have to make up for that speed and size different or that to me. They have to make up for that size difference with a mm-hmm. more speed than you would a T Higgins. So a Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas. So I think what I, we were talking pre-show and I was saying that, you know, I think Tylen Wallace is going to run maybe a four, four, five at his pro day which will adjust to maybe like a four, five, four, five, two. So I think he's going to have enough speed to make it happen. I just, I worry that he is not going to be a successful fantasy football player. If he was put in like a Jalen Rager situation last year, I think he's going to be more of a one B, which I believe you were alluding to than Mm -hmm. a one, a fantasy option. And so that stifles his upside a little bit, but where you're getting him at his ADP it, it's just taking candy from a baby. I think his ADP is like 208 right now in a Superflex. So it's just, it's silly sauce. Oh yeah, man. That's another thing that I wanted to mention is like, yeah, he's not a perfect, he's not a Jamar Chase. He's not a Rashad Bateman, but you're getting this guy almost a round later, if not in a complete round later, he's a great value at the end of the second round. And I'm going to be getting myself a lot of shares. Oh, absolutely. And that, everyone's going to start trading out of that second round because they're going to see that huge talent cliff drop off. And that's when you swoop in and grab all the goodies. So let's put Tylen Wallace. Let's put him into a value perspective for the listeners. We're going to do this or that. If you guys have been listening to, to the podcast, you kind of know this is what I like to do to help create a value, uh, a value chart of where these, this prospect falls for our guest. So would you rather have Tylen Wallace or Terrace Marshall Jr.? That is a hard one, but I'm going to have to go with my guy, Terrace Marshall. I was just very impressed with how he looked at LSU this last year when he finally had the offense to himself. No Justin Jefferson, no Jamar Chase. And what he did with those guys still on the team was sneakily impressive as well. And I think he's someone that's flying under the radar, and he's one of my favorite receivers in the class, man. I I cannot echo that sentiment enough. So how about Tylen Wallace or Amon Ross St. Brown? I'm going to go Tylen Wallace right there. Amon Ross St. Brown is a nice little prospect himself, but he's not my favorite. I feel like he does everything pretty well, but he just doesn't jump off the page at me in any specific way. Whereas Tylen Wallace, I really think he can develop into an elite one-on-one receiver on the outside, go up and get those contested catches. He has some sneaky yak ability. Whereas Amon Ross St. Brown's going to be working out of the slot. He needs more volume and he's more dependent on where he lands in the NFL draft. How is the team going to use him? We don't know any of those things. Right. No, very well said. I feel like this will be a layup for you here, but let's give it a shot either way. Tylen Wallace or Jalen Waddle? Yeah, you know me, man. I love me some Jalen Waddle and maybe to a fault, but here I just got to roll with my guy. I think he's a special playmaker. I've just seen. I really think he um, – a lot of guys like to compare him to Henry Ruggs, and I just feel like there's such a stark contrast between the two because Henry Ruggs, to me, is just a straight-line guy. He really – he has some insane wheels, but he's not doing the lateral stuff that Jalen Waddle is doing. He doesn't get up to full speed, 0-60, to 60, as fast as Jalen Waddle. And I even think Waddle has some sneaky contested catch ability himself. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think Jan Waddle is going to be a really fun prospect to talk about in the coming months here. How about Tylen Wallace or Elijah Moore? 
Man, I've gone back and forth myself on these in my rankings a ton because I really like Elijah Moore. I think this is going to be one where like landing spot and draft capital are just going to have to be the tiebreaker for me because I think Elijah Moore is a great slot prospect, but he's just going to have to land somewhere where he doesn't have a ton of competition for targets and where the team is willing to utilize him like he should be utilized. Talent Wallace is a little bit more, I like him a little bit regardless of where he lands. So I think he's a little bit safer than Elijah Moore, but I like both guys a lot. They're really fun prospects, no doubt. How about Talon Wallace or Deami Brown? Talon Wallace for me in this situation, I like Deami Brown. I've come around on him some, just seeing how much you like him. And I respect your opinion a lot. So I've I've forced myself to go and re-examine him as a prospect. And I do, I'm definitely... He's growing on me, and I just recently bumped him ahead of Kadarius Tony in my rankings. So he's he's a guy I like, and it's just hard to tell how how his game is going to translate to the next level. But I think you might have some very valuable things to say on Deami Brown as opposed to myself. Yeah, Deami Brown, he is a Will Fuller type burner, right? So six feet, six foot six one. He's going to come in pretty close to two hundred pounds. So what I need to see from him, and he's got sneaky yak ability, and I think we'll, we'll talk about him in another episode. I don't want to get too into it, but he is a very unique prospect because you kind of got to dive deep beyond just the stats and get a little context and see just who he was playing with and just how kind of special that is that he was able to have two 1,000-yard seasons with the amount of NFL uh, productive players that he is playing with. So I'm going to leave that there. I'm, I'm still a bit wishy-washy on Downey Brown. I need to see him test and see what he looks athletically before I find come to a final opinion on him and a landing spot will really help. But he's mm-hmm. someone I, I enjoy. I enjoy staying up at night and thinking about sometimes. Let's talk about my boy, TT. How about Tylen Walls or Tamori on Terry? Man, you're, you're throwing all the tough questions at me right off the bat. I love it. That's what we do. Morgan Terry, man, he's just – he's a guy who I think has – there's no cap on his ceiling. He has very extraordinary upside, some insane size and speed combination. But from what I'm hearing, the NFL is very sour on him, and I'm not sure where he's going to go in the NFL draft. I'd love to see him get at least round three or round four draft capital, but – if he slips later than that, which I'm hearing is a possibility, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be getting as much of him as I would otherwise. Very fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it's it's difficult to say this time of year, given all the smoke and mirrors and shadows and such, but he's going to be a pretty draft capital dependent player. And once he gets his pro day, we'll uh, we'll we'll get a better feel about what what he truly is going to be able to give us. So I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of pro days and someone that's kind of an enigma of sorts, someone that is needing a good pro day who kind of came out late his COVID year, Trace Sermon, right? Ohio State running back. He yeah. is a unofficially weighed at six feet. He's an unofficial weight of 213 pounds, which gives him about a 28.9 BMI. He's going to be age 22 on draft. He had a 14.8% college dominator rating, a 6.5% yards per carry in college, which is an 82nd percentile. He had a 4.6% college target share. So, you know, it with Trey Sermon's background and history, there makes sense there. But I'm going to give you a chance, Gary. Tell me about Trey Sermon. What is your sales pitch to me on why I need to reconsider where I have Trey Sermon currently ranked? Okay, I'll do my best, man. So Trey Sermon, he's not a guy who I have in my top five running backs, but he's someone who I think has a ton of upside if he gets the right landing spot. 
as a true freshman, he had 883 total yards from scrimmage and seven touchdowns, which I think is pretty impressive. As a sophomore, he followed that up with 1,128 yards from scrimmage and 13 touchdowns. So that production profile right off the bat was pretty impressive, and he showed that he can catch the ball with 16 receptions as a freshman. He's someone that I'd like to see at his pro day show that he can receive the ball, show that he can run routes out of the backfield and be dynamic after he catches the ball. But he's definitely not a sure thing either. And he's someone that I think profiles as more of a two down back as opposed to a three down guy. And I think it's going to be very dependent on where he gets drafted. And that's going to kind of change my opinion of him, if you say. Okay. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that he is going to be a thunder to someone's lightning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's basically what I would say. And it's, it's really hard to not like him after seeing what he did at Ohio state, that three game stretch where he ran for 636 yards and four touchdowns. He tacked on another 60 yards through the air for 696 scrimmage yards and four touchdowns in just three games. And that was against respectable competition, man. The way he was running out there, it reminded me of Chris Carson. It reminded me of DeMarco Murray. He's someone who runs hard. He's physical, almost violent, and he's Mm -hmm. never going down on first contact. So I saw a lot. I was like, man, I wasn't even watching for him. I was watching for Justin Fields and some other prospects. And he just, he would not be ignored. He refused to be ignored. And he was very impressive. So it's just a matter of, is that the real Trey Sermon or is that kind of a fluke? Mm-hmm. I hear that. Yeah, Trey Sermon's such a very, he's a, it's a unique situation for him. So he started out of Oklahoma. He's a three-year player there. He was splitting carries with Kennedy Brooks, who was a two-time 1,000-yard uh, season rusher. So he wasn't necessarily getting all of the work with, with Kennedy Brooks in the mix. And that was okay. He, he was making do, he was still averaging uh, five, or he was still averaging about five, six yards per carry. Um, mm. His actual junior at Oklahoma, he was averaging 7.1 yards per carry. And then he, he transferred to Ohio state. Uh, he transferred to Ohio state. And I believe he had an injury that he was recovering from that did not allow him to get on the field at the time. Yeah. So he took a backseat to Master Teague. Master Teague was, you know, he did okay. He was nothing special. Master Teague eventually ceded his way to, to uh, Trey Sermon, which is a good thing. You want to see them push players and push for playing time. And then he found himself on a team that was unwilling to run the ball quite a bit, and they wanted to rely on Justin Fields, Chris Owabe, Garrett Wilson to help propel that offense. As Justin Fields got banked up, as he started to struggle a little bit due to injuries and a couple of difficult games, they leaned on Trey Sermon to kind of get them out of that mess. And when he was given the opportunity to get 20 plus carries, he did not disappoint. He was, he had what uh, multiple hundred yard rushings. He had one 320 yard rushing game, I think against Northwestern, which was a Ohio state record. So I think that three game stretch right there is what, we can key into and say this may be a type of player similar to Cam Akers last year, where he just needs a lot of volume. If he can get the volume, then he's going to be able to give us serviceable fantasy careers, even if he's not the third down back, because he has that prototypical size. He has a prototypical weight and he had an 8.4% college target share, which is what you want to see being involved in the passing offense. He's going to be a little older, which isn't ideal. And there's a lot of concerns about his profile or his athletic testing and things like that. So you got to be a little hesitant. 
but he's one of those players. He's like a, a, a knockoff Chuba Hubbard, right? Where a player that could really quickly get elevated depending on landing spot, depending on testing, similar to Jamar Jefferson. It, Trey Sermon could be one of the sneaky stashes you get mid-second or even early third, depending where he lands. It could pay out dividends if he's given into the right situation moving forward. Garrett, when you see Trey Sermon as a prospect, what's your initial gut reaction on his NFL, his fantasy football-like trajectory? Do you think he's going to be a running back two, a flex play? Like, what do you think he's going to be given service-wise? Yeah, I think I think you painted the picture very well right there, Britt. And I'm going to say that I think his ceiling is giving you three to four solid, solid seasons. Maybe one RB1 season in there if he can really take off as a workhorse. But that is not something that I'm expecting when I'm drafting him. I'm hoping for a couple RB2 seasons, honestly. Like, that would be a win in my eyes because his current ADP, according to DLF, is – three two so he's a 26 player off the board right now in super flex formats I think that's pretty good value and if I'm taking a shot on upside on someone I think you could do worse than Trey Sermon I mean I think when we're looking for upside with running backs Trey Sermon hits that head so let's once again let's put Trey Sermon's value into a perspective for our listeners Trey Sermon or Ramondre Stevenson the new Ohio or uh, Oklahoma State running back yeah, on Ramondre Stevenson, I'm just I'm really not impressed. And I see someone who's kind of a plotter, someone who's a grinder. I don't think his game when I watched him at the senior bowl, I was very unimpressed. And I know a lot of people that I respect around the community are quite high on him, but I'm just not there myself. And I would take Trey Sermon out of those two. I like it. How about Trey Sermon or Jamar Jefferson? I'm going Jamar Jefferson on that one. I think he has much more upside and he is just a more complete back. And it feels nice to be surrounded by pro Jamar Jefferson people. It's a difficult <laughs> ride. Uh, Trey Sermon or Larry Roundtree the third? I'm going Trey Sermon on that one. Okay, I like it. How about Trey Sermon or Khalil Herbert? That's another one where I got I got to roll with Trey Sermon. Khalil Herbert is he's a nice sleeper, but I would definitely pick Trey Sermon over him. And then the last one, Trey Sermon or Michael Carter. So originally when I was doing my rankings, I had Trey Sermon ahead of Michael Carter, but the more tape that I watched of Michael Carter's, the more I really fell in love with him as a prospect. I know he doesn't have an extraordinary ceiling. He's not going to be an every down workhorse, but he just does everything so well. He's a great pass catcher. He's very good at pass blocking. And those are two things that I cannot necessarily say about Trey Sermon. So I'm going to have to roll with Michael Carter right there. I like that. Okay, so it sounds like that Trey Sermon is almost a sneaky workhorse, mm-hmm. a, a sneaky bell cow of sorts. You got him kind of safely in that running back six to eight position, but you think he has a possibility to really provide a lot of that upside and return on where you're probably going to get him. Absolutely. Uh, he, he's a he's a very exciting prospect, and I think we found our show title here. I think Trey Sermon's being the dark horse is what we've got to go with our title. So I like it, I mean, man. I like I, it. I, I, I always like finding perfect show titles in the show. It's, it's a fun little piece. So, Garrett, let's round this bad boy out. Are you ready to play a game? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Ooh. 
Ladies and gentlemen, your master of ceremonies. Hello and welcome to the 2021 Rotor Ball Contest. Everybody, once again, we are back with yet another contestant participant in Rotor Ball. So, here's the deal. This is a DFS best ball smushed together baby that is specifically rookies only. The scoring format is PPR and tight end premium. Garrett is given a budget of $22,000. He has to roster one quarterback, one wide receiver, and one running back. He has five, that's right, five flex spots. Each player, each rookie has a predetermined budget based on their current hype, my expectations of where they're going to be, and a bunch of other things. The budgets are going to be adjusting every once in a while, after the pro days, after the draft, if there's an injury, things like that. Now, what Garrett is going to do here is he is going to create his very own lineup using the budget that's currently added. If Garrett wants to change his budget moving forward because of new information coming to light or a player that he likes more and the budget gets adjusted, then he has to readjust his entire lineup to mirror the current budget. So, Garrett, when you were looking at the budgets, when you're looking at this contest, what was kind of catching your eye? What was something that was pulling you towards? What was your strategy about taking this on? First of all, I'd like to say good job with this, man. This is this is a fun idea, and I was really thrilled to be a part of it when I was looking at this whole concept. So. My strategy going in is I have a few guys that I was like, I have to fit them in no matter what. And I'm just going to build around them. I'll make it work. So those guys were Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell, and Kenneth Gainwell. Those are some of my favorite prospects. And I wanted to build around them, make it work. I'd say Terrace Marshall also fits that bill. Someone I was just going to have in there no matter what. I thought the value was good. And they weren't, you know, prohibitively expensive compared to what I expect them to do for me production-wise. So that was kind of like my approach going into it. Okay. And so let the good people know your roster. I think everyone's curious about what, who's going where and what they're going. So hit us with what you got, who you, who you rolling into the contest with for right now. Yeah. So I just named a few guys that I was definitely going to fit into my roster, but at quarterback, I have Zach Wilson. I wouldn't say I'm a Zach Wilson truther per se, but I do think he is likely to have a starting job going to the season. And I think he has some nice sneaky upside. Chris Sims recently released his quarterback rankings and he had Zach Wilson at the top of those rankings. He's been fairly accurate in the past, but I cannot say I'm there as far as him being the QB one in this class. Regardless, he's very good at running. He's very good at throwing on the run. He has some sneaky scrambling ability. He's pretty accurate on the deep ball. A lot to like with Zach Wilson. And at running back, I have Najee Harris, my favorite running back in the class. I'm not alone on that. I think he has extraordinary upside his rookie year, and I'm excited to see where he lands. At wide receiver, I have Jalen Waddle. I touched a little bit on the kind of upside that I think he possesses. I think he has a Tyreek Hill-like ceiling, which is a little bit of a hot take, but I love me some Jalen Waddle, and I think he's going to be productive right off the bat. My first flex spot is Kenneth Gainwell, someone who I think profiles as a very, very good receiving back. I think he's going to be a monster in PPR leagues, and I had to fit him in my roster. I think he's good value at $32.50. And then my next flex is Terrace Marshall. 
Harris Marshall had a great season at LSU last year. I think he has some very nice upside himself. And I thought that it wasn't too hard to fit him into my lineup. And then for, to round out the last three, I chose Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, and my last sleeper was Nico Collins. Pat Fryermuth, so, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, okay, I was so, curious, what, what motivated you to double dip on the tight ends here? Yeah, so when I was looking at the price and I was looking at $1,000 each for them, and then I was kind of looking at the other positions and comparing players who were similarly priced at other positions, and I thought it was really no contest because I think Firemuth and Jordan both have a very good chance to be productive right off the bat. I know tight ends typically take some time to develop, but if they get drafted by the right team, they get the opportunity. I think they're both very, very good talents at the tight end position. I like it. You're not scared away about the historical return year one from tight ends? No. I think I like it's it. worth the risk because the price is go. very, very low, and it let me get Absolutely. some other guys that I just really wanted to fit into my roster. I think that's a really smart move there. Nico Collins. I know I talked you down. Or I talked in you into Nico Collins. Who was your go-to guy before Nico Collins? Well, I was. there really wasn't a go-to at that price range, man. We're talking 950. It was definitely just bottom-of-the-barrel sleepers. But there was a few guys that I had my eye on. I was looking at Nico Collins. I was looking at Daz Newsom. And I think that was those were the two main, uh, main contestants for me. And when it came down to it, you talked me into Nico Collins. I think he has some nice sleeper appeal. And he's going around the late third fourth round right now in, in uh, rookie drafts so he's not someone who is like a surefire stud or anything like that but I watched him at the senior bowl and he looked very good in the one-on-one drills which most receivers should but should, yes he had some good production at Michigan considering the circumstances considering his quarterback play I like him I like that all right so awesome it's a really fun contest can't wait to let you know I will send you an email when the budgets get adjusted so that you can update your if you update your roster you can figure it all out and i'll i'll make sure i detail that very nicely in the future emails to come garrett i always like to give my guest an opportunity to stand on a hill before the nfl season on a specific rookie is there anyone that you're feeling particularly gutsy about if i'm thinking there's a few guys that come to mind but i'm trying to think of what would be the most spicy for the show so I think Kenneth Gainwell, my, my take will be Kenneth Gainwell is an RB2 or better his rookie year right off the bat. So, so get, Kenneth, Gable is gonna be a, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a top 24 running back 2021. Yep, yep, that's my hook. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Go and get, Garrett, him, where, get him in your rookie drafts. Yeah. Garrett, where, do you, what are you working on? What, where can people find your work? Where can people get a hold of you if they want to let you know how smart and or not you are? <laughs> Y'all can find me on the Fantasy Affair, fantasyaffair.com. You can check out my work right now. I'm doing an Evolve or Die series, basically just kind of an overview of how each position in fantasy football is changing. And I do some statistical analysis on the performance of the players throughout the last season. They're floor, ceiling, some other uh, measures of efficiency and volume. It's something that I've been working pretty hard on. If you guys want to go check it out, that'd be awesome. You, re- you guys really should. It's, it's a 
really great series, and Garrett does a wonderful job breaking it down into terms that are easy to digest and make a lot of sense. All right, folks, and Garrett, where can they get a hold of you on the Twitter bot? Y'all can find me on Twitter at FFGoldMine. FF Goldmine. All right, folks, you know where you can find me, Twitter or Clubhouse at VFF Sandman. Please give this podcast a rating and a review. It would really mean a lot to me and Eric and Brad to kind of see what we're doing is being appreciated. If you have any suggestions, if you hate the sound of my voice, let me know. Let me hear it and give me a rating, please, because I'm always looking to help grow this thing into something awesome. Ber- Berkey and Bradley, we miss you dearly. Can't wait to get you back on the pod, boys. And Garrett, thank you so much for being a part of this, man. It really means a lot to have you come on. Thanks for having me, man. I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Everybody, that's the show, and we out. Peace.